Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and we are done with week five. And what a statement in the NFL by the NFC West. I'm with I'm with my co-host, T-Up. T-Up, how about them Niners? Yo, how about them Niners? They just keep rolling and rolling and rolling. It's such a pleasure to watch. I, uh, I had myself a day on, on Sunday. I'm not going to lie. It was a full slate of games. But just to have Sunday night football just matter so much where I know everyone is watching that game. It's the most anticipated game up to this point in the season. And it was a matchup historically where the Niners and Cowboys, it was 19-19-1. So it was a dead tie between both franchises historically. And everyone really wanted to know, you know, between the Niners and the Cowboys, you know, who's, who's the better team? When you think about the NFC Conference, you think about the Niners, the Cowboys, and the Eagles. And with the Eagles undefeated and the Niners undefeated, um, the Cowboys were the ones with the most to prove since they lost the last two times in the playoffs against the Niners. And so this is this was a really big statement game for the Cowboys, obviously, to show out and show that they can hang with the big boys. But Tom, my God. Final score was 42 to 10. But honestly, it felt like this was, it could have been like 50. They could have hung a 50 burger on the Cowboys. Just, I don't know. Give me your thoughts about this game. Yeah, you know, this game was the most anticipated game thus far, for sure, for at least for the Niners and Cowboys. I'm sure the Cowboys had this game circled. I think Dex said it from the beginning. And, yeah, I mean, going into the afternoon, you know, I think I texted you. It was 10 in the morning. It was 12 in the afternoon, 3 p.m. I was all like, this, this is taking way too long. The anticipation was building. Watching the full slate of games, which was pretty much all day. I was on the couch enjoying football from the London game. Bill's getting upset all the way up to Sunday Night Football to the very end. And it was, you know, the anticipation was leading. And, you know, the more that you read, you're seeing that the Niners are healthy, the uh, Dallas is healthy, minus Diggs, of course, and it was just building and building. And then finally, when you get to the game, you're just, you know, just pumped in that first drive when Purdy comes down and he, you know, the first play of the game, he strikes it to Ayuk and then they start rolling down the field. And then it was just uh, the touchdown, the Kittle in the end zone, the first one out of three, obviously. Three uh, the hat trick, it was just three tutties. It was just such a, it was a good game. And, you know, I was really hoping for Dallas to actually hold it down a little bit better than they did. And analysis are saying, you know, they got exposed. Maybe Dallas is not up to par. Maybe the Niners is, you know, the system is getting, you know, system quarterback or whatever. But, yeah, what are your thoughts? Are, are the Niners that good? Or did Dallas really just kind of come out flat in that after, uh, in Sunday Night Football? Yeah, no. Uh, the biggest thing outside of the box score and the result is not so much looking at the stats, but looking to see how people react to the stats or the, the outcome for that matter. This was a complete dominate, dominant game by the Niners on all phases. Special teams, they, you know, they got them in good favorable positions. Um, I think that the Cowboys, they started at the two, the five on several occasions uh, due to the punt game. Uh, offense doesn't, you don't really need me to tell you much about it because Purdy 
had four passing touchdowns, a fifth and 17 for 24. Um, McCaffrey didn't even, he had his worst game of the year. And the Cowboys were saying, we're going to swarm. We're going to focus on Christian McCaffrey, which obviously that's a great game plan. And he had 19 carries for 51 yards. His lowest at 2.7 yards per carry, but they didn't need McCaffrey. They had, had Kittle, three touchdowns, three catches, three touchdowns, red zone target. You had Ayuk doing what, what he had to do um, to get the first down. I think he was four for four. Each catch went for a first down. You had Debo Samuel, three catches for 55. But, um, you know, like they were, they were just everywhere in that sense, which is mission accomplished. And the last part, which is the defense, defense finally like they had three picks they had i think four sacks one forced fumble like you know it was a complete game by the niners and the biggest thing about this now is just and correct me if if i'm wrong but it's the goalpost of expectations so like a lot of people went into this game saying you know the niners they they played four bad teams the steelers the cardinals the giants the Rams saying like, all right, they're they're cool, but they need to play a real team, and then I'll judge and give them that respect, right? For Purdy, like, oh, okay, all all these throws are easy up to this point, like until he plays a legit defense, then I'll respect him. Uh, the list can go on and on, and then with a performance like this, you feel, or I feel at least a little bit slighted, where people are saying, well, all the Purdy's were really easy, all the Purdy's throws were really easy. Um, you know, the Cowboys aren't that good. Just another way to continuously push the goalpost. And then I saw that Dan Orlovsky, uh, NFL analyst, mentioned that, hey, if Mac Jones was in that situation for San Francisco, he would be just as successful. And I just, um, I don't know. People react to things the way that the way they want to, but uh, it's just weird, man. And I think the biggest thing is because Brock Purdy is – a seventh round pick wasn't expected to do that well. And obviously right now he's, he's shattering the league, like literally in every statistic as a quarterback, he is a MVP candidate now. Yeah. I don't think there's any uh, denying that Purdy should be in the conversation for MVP. Still early in the season, you know, obviously he's, he's killing every single stat line leading QBR, no turnovers, undefeated as a starter, as a 49er, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, you know, I, I, you know, the haters are going to hate, but that's, that's okay too. But we can't just, we can't overlook the fact that Shanahan finally has this quarterback that is able to run the system the way that he envisioned from the beginning. Right. So we know that every single week it's going to look different. Some weeks might be run heavy where it's going to be Christian McCaffrey just running crazy. Some weeks it's just going to be heavy on the passing game. Some weeks it's just going to be in combination. You know, this team is just so loaded on the offensive side. So many playmakers. They're at any given time. There's just there's four route runners that are out there that Purdy could hit at any given time, or he just could hand it off. So, you know, they're just so loaded. It's just it's so nice to finally see Shanahan's system to actually execute the way that it's supposed to. You know. It took, what, six years for us to finally see it. We saw glimpses, obviously, with when Jimmy was there, when we went to the Super Bowl. But obviously, there was a little hiccups on the way. But, you know, 
it made up for it because we have such a, uh, sorry, the Niners have such a strong run game, but now it's every single position is just clicking. And, you know, we even saw Juszczyk hit the end zone this, uh, this past Sunday and Kittle, he finally hits the end zone for three. It's just, we don't know what's coming in the net, uh, for the next week and the week after that. And I think that's what, keep, that's what makes it so difficult for our opponents when they're studying the film, they really don't know who's, who's going to be stepping up for this game or, um, you know, but Purdy, he's just making the right throws. And, you know, we've seen it in that, in the video, right, Justin, where it's that capital A, you know, it's that, it's that capital A amplification that you really can't teach. It's just something that is, it's almost, it's just within an athlete. And Purdy is definitely just exhibiting that week after week. The biggest thing happened in the, that stuck in my mind was, do you remember that one time? I think it was third and four, uh, drops back, finds Ayuk for like, I don't know, 15, 20 yards. And then I think Aaron Banks gets called with the hold. So it's third and 14. And for Shanahan in, in years past, he could have just had a screen, uh, a halfback delay, like just, give it to the running back and get ready to, to punt the ball. Cause obviously third and 14 is, you know, it's, it's not ideal. Right. But the very next play on third and 14, they dropped him back and he found Ayuk, not Ayuk. He found Debo Samuel for the first down, I think for 20 yards on an in route where he anticipated Debo would be there down the middle and essentially threw him open he wasn't there at the time, but he knew that Debo would get there on, on his in-break, and he got the first down. And I don't know. The lazy take that I'm seeing right now is you plug any quarterback in Shanahan system, of course they're going to be as successful because maybe they haven't been successful in years past, but this might be the biggest collection of skilled players, and it should be a plug-and-play for any quarterback. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. Cause you know, when you, when you look at the video, like the, the breakdowns and all of that stuff is when, when Purdy is winding up and the ball is out, the receiver is just barely getting out of his break. He's not even looking at the quarterback and all of the receivers are catching these uh, throws in stride. It's right on, right on their throat, right on the numbers. It's just, it's just so crazy to see a quarterback with who's as young as Purdy is able to to knock down these crucial throws. It's just every week is just all like wow. And you know, people were saying like he you know he doesn't have a big arm, but you really don't need a big arm to to operate in in the NFL. Yeah, you could throw it down, but then I think there's a correlation between chucking it downfield and QB efficiency, right? You're gonna expect no, that percentage to go down. Agree. Completely agree. Yeah, for sure. But it's that capital A anticipation where he knows he knows to hit either the first or the first window, the second window, or he knows the first read is going to be there, but he goes for the second read, which is deeper down the field. It's just, it's so crazy. The trust and the buy-in to Shanahan's system that this quarterback has and the entire team has and the, the selfish, the unselfishness out of, this entire team is just incredible. And on top of that, the defense is just insane right now. It's, you know, we add Randy Gregory next weekend. Um, you know, all pro Fred is making a case for him to be defensive player of the year. 
Bosa got another sack this weekend. It's just, it's just, wow. Wow. It's great. Yeah. So shout out to the Niners. And, you know, I know our listeners want to hear us gush more and more about how <laughs> good the Niners are. Right? But let's just, but I just want to say, first off, for I, I have many Dallas Cowboys fans, especially my coworkers, and they kept pressing me all week. They kept pressing me all week. And I'm like, yo, just, just, just relax. Let's just watch the game. And come Monday, complete radio silent all day. Didn't want to, you know, didn't want to push it. They, they put me to make a bet, but I was like, hey, you know what? Let's just enjoy the, enjoy the game. One coworker, though, I did, I did say, okay, fine, you know. She kept pushing me. She kept pressing it. And I didn't talk to her until today, and she was all like, yeah, I had to take Monday off. So, <laughs> yeah, that's all I got to say. And, and that's okay. You know, uh, sometimes no no – you don't have to say anything. Uh, the point was made, and for her to be civil after that and say, "Oh, did even she did she even say good game?" Or she just left it. At, no, at, she said she posted this gif of like uh, an ashamed face, and then she was all like, "This is my face of shame today," and I'm all like, mm-hmm, "That's right." All right, all right, and it's all in good fun too. So I mean, um, I know this it's, is yeah, probably, but yeah, it's it, this was really good. This was. Pretty sweet to be a Niner fan, and I'm glad that we can put this to, to rest. But did he see some of the? I won't say shit talking, but he, did he hear some of the chatter after? I think that uh, you guys saw it the next day. But there's a picture of George Kittle, you know, in the end zone. He, he pulls his jersey up. It has the fuck Dallas shirt, which goes back to like Gary Plummer back in the NFC Championship when they play, played the Cowboys. So he'd said, you know, in in light of Cowboys Week, I wanted to give tribute to. To that, and then uh, I think Micah Parsons on his podcast said, "Wow, that's personal. Like I'm gonna get you next time." And you know, for Debo Samuel took cut wind of that, and he actually responded saying, "Like, well, probably uh, next time we play each other, we're gonna beat you, beat you guys even further." And then uh, Kittle responded on KBR today, is just saying to Parsons, "Like, hey, you know, you're a great player. I respect you. Just know that you know, no disrespect." necessarily at you but you know in in this in the spirit of the robbery that that's where it came from nothing more nothing less but if you want to take it there yeah i look forward to to playing against you guys next time yeah for sure i mean whatever let let let, let the let the back and forth go but just for now dallas in recent history is 0-3 against the 49ers and the dallas fans are just the five stages of grief right now and it's it's awesome to see yeah and that's okay they have um you know i wish them the best kind of not really they'll likely be in the playoffs no, not really <laughs> not really we might we might see them again in the nfc uh playoffs whatever it, we'll see uh they have it's only week five they have plenty of time but we all know they better get their shit together if they're gonna really compete with the big boys. So I'll just leave it at that. So yeah, you have the, you have the Cowboys losing to the Niners. So the Niners are first place. They're like number one in the rankings at five and zero. Oh. Um, Tom, any other final words? We can go to the next NFC West game that happened in week five. No, I mean, no, this team is just so exciting. I feel like fully invested in this season. I know that this is, you know, approaching, NBA tip off, but 
you know, the Niners are just, just rolling right now. And all I got is just enjoy the ride. Let's enjoy the ride. Right on. Let's ride. Let's ride. Onwards. Eagles Rams game at LA. It was pretty close early on. Not going to lie. Um, you know, first half 17, 14 halftime Eagles and, you know, it went kind of back and forth and shout out to Cooper Cup. Uh, they said earlier in the week, he's off IR. We're going to not put him on a snap count. And he's he's back. And honestly, like this is Stafford's boy. Good to see him back. It's good for the Rams, obviously. It's good for the league. Uh, Cooper Cup, I think the first quarter he had like five catches for um, for like 70 yards. He ended the game with eight catches for 118. And it shows, at least from a fantasy football perspective, like for Stafford and this Rams offense, like they can, you could have both Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua and thrive off of this for fantasy football. Puka Nakua had seven catches for 71 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, good bounce. Uh, Karen Williams, 13 carries for 53 yards. But the biggest thing about the Eagles is their defensive line. I mean, you know, their defensive line was on Stafford. They sacked him four times. Um, You know, for the most part, Stafford was uncomfortable for certain stretches. And, you know, Stafford had a couple of, um, couple of, I don't want to say gimmies, but he had a couple of plays. Like there was one to two to Atwell for 60 yards. Had they had connected, it would have been a house call, but um missed out just ever so slight and that really made the difference for the second half because it was 17 10 halftime the rams i don't know what the fuck was going on but the second half they couldn't score any points they went scoreless and the eagles had six points two field goals and that was pretty much the ball game they went 23 to 14 and uh i don't know i won't say it's um a moral victory because, you know, it's nice to see the Rams compete against the Eagles. Like they were right there, but that second half, I don't know what happened. This offense couldn't get it done and to go scoreless at home and to only allow six points and lose 23 to 14. That is a, I don't know. You just ended on a sour note. That's how I felt. Yeah. You know, I was watching this game at the beginning and the Rams, they look pretty good. Cooper Cup was firing Stafford is, it didn't seem like they missed a step at all. Um, And then I believe the first drive, they held the Eagles to either a field goal or maybe they punted. I can't remember. Or it wasn't a touchdown, but you know, the Rams, you know, they were, they were holding it down and they were getting pressure to, uh, to hurt. Um, But yeah, the second half, they just came out completely flat. I don't know what happened. If they drank the wrong Kool-Aid or whatever it was, but that, that, they they actually locked down Cooper Cup. That's what I did notice in the second half. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how the Rams navigate now that they are, what are they, two and three? They're, Is that right? Uh, let me let me double check. I believe they're two and three, yeah. Um, it's two uh, and three. They're, they're, they're in the mix. I think what the Rams have done up to this point, uh, especially going toe-to-toe with a lot of tough teams, I mean, I think they've shown that you know, they can compete. Um, this is, they're in a, yeah, for sure. And great. I mean, Philly is, they're up there, you know, arguably, you know, one, a one B with the 49ers at the top of them, actually the number two, but <laughs> who am I to say, but 
you know, it was such, it was a good team and, uh, that they were playing. Um, I don't know if you saw, but so far I was like majority Philly fan. So that's kind of, you know, Rams obviously had to do, um, you know, the signs on the, you know, yeah, that's what right. is it? You know, when you have to tap the center and what whatnot, but yeah, do the silent count. That's right. Silent count. Yeah, that's right. That's what it's called. But Puka, Puka Nakua, he's, you know, now that I was pretty interested to see how he would uh, produce now that his share would be um, split with Cooper Cup, but he still got his own. I mean, defenses are going to have to scheme up of how to, you know, cover Cooper Cup which would mean that Puka would be on the, at least have a, a advantageous matchup, right? I would imagine. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think for, for the Rams, I think they're on the right path. It seems like Stafford and, and this offense is good enough now for fantasy football owners. I think the onus is more so on, on this defense for the Rams. And I kind of knew it already, like, you know, outside of Aaron Donald, their front seven is kind of, uh, their linebackers, especially in coverage, like it, they can be had, and that's why you saw the Eagles. They really, you know, they target the linebackers. Dallas Goddard had his arguably his best game of the season with eight catches for 117 yards, and then, you know, shout out to A.G. Brown. He ate six catches, 127 yards. I mean, overall, like, like the Eagles got what they usually get. Um, shoot, Jalen Hurts at 15 carries for 72 yards and a touchdown, if that says anything. And I don't know, T.F., what are your thoughts about this brotherly – push this brotherly tug thing that the Eagles always do with the quarterback snake. I this swear to God. Brotherly tug? Yeah. Pause. They did that like six <laughs> times that game though, bro. We're like, yeah, and pause. Yeah, brotherly, I don't know what the hell. Uh, just. <laughs> no, I think they called it the brotherly, brotherly shove. There you go. That's uh, A shove the is better than a tug. <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> Brother, brotherly shove. Yeah, no. Don't don't cut that out. That needs to be on this podcast. People need to hear that. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Well, yes, the brotherly the brotherly shove. Uh, for the viewers that don't know what that is, also known as the push push, where um, the quarterback lines up and then there's a receiver and running back behind Jalen Hurts and they just basically. Third and short, they would just basically shove uh, Jalen Hurts across the uh, across the line of scrimmage to get the first down or a touchdown, whatever it is. But there was actually this special that I saw. It was thirty for thirty on ESPN, and they, they actually broke down this play. Did they really? And, yeah, Jason Kelsey said they were trying to figure out how they can make this happen. So they actually brought in this pro rugby player from New Zealand. No kidding. And he wow. basically said they it's they use the same maneuver in rugby and it's basically unstoppable because the pounds of force that pushes the line of scrimmage forward is basically unstoppable. Uh-huh. Um and mind you, didn't you see that video of Jalen Hurts? He's like he squats the most weight out of like everyone in the NFL or some shit like yeah. 700 pounds. Yeah. So top of that, they said like the pounds of force. Okay. This is like going into the, the weeds about it, but it's like over 1200 pounds of force that's going 
that's pushing Jalen Hurts forward. That includes offensive linemen, Jalen Hurts, and the people behind him. So, and they get low. Yeah. As you know, in football, yeah, get below the pads. So it's basically unstoppable. So I guess this goes back to like, is this even a football play? Like, it, I understand it's rugby, but is it football? Like, is it a football move? Um, I don't know. It'll be up for debate next season, that's for sure. And that's been the talk around the, that I've been seeing. It will be. It will be, for sure. I don't know if they're actually going to make any changes to the rules after this because they did this against the Niners last year in the NFC Championship, right? This isn't the first time they've done it. It's like not a new play for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... Like, is it is it a football play? It's like... Because you're looking at it, right? Like, when, they, when the ref, when he blows the whistle to call the play dead, right? Or was it forward momentum, forward progress? Right. At what point does referee have the discretion? Like, okay, the scrum is in the end, and then they both whistle. How do you? I don't know. There's just. I guess it's a gray area in in the rules. Right. Well, we'll find yeah. out. Um, yeah, we'll find out. I mean, I will say this: to, it's not a pure guarantee. I mean, the biggest risk behind this is, well, the risk of injury. And do you remember when the Seahawks played the Giants on Monday Night Football? So, like, the Giants tried to do the same thing, but they got some people hurt, which is kind of funny, actually. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It, they, didn't, they didn't fly in pro rugby player. That's where they messed up. <laughs> yeah. It was just, you know, uh, yeah. It, it doesn't work for everyone, let's just say that. But it, it's a very sound strategy. So, uh, And their offensive lineman, Jordan Mylock, he his career started in rugby, so I'm sure he knew a thing or two. That's right. That's right. And uh, I think they went for it six times this game, like I mentioned before. And I think they got it six for six. Like, it worked to a T. And the Rams couldn't do much in the second half. And that was the game, honestly. There has to be a way for defenses to figure out, like, how how to stop it. I yeah. don't know whether you you jump over the offensive line and just, like, power bomb. Jalen Hurts or something. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's going to work until it doesn't work in the sense where it won't say it's going to happen to Jalen Hurts, but maybe a quarterback. Someone's going to get hurt from this shit. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, maybe we shouldn't be doing this all the time. Maybe a couple times, but not all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. Tough one for the Rams. I, you know, I thought this would be competitive. I thought they were right in it. They were playing toe to toe, but that second half they just couldn't get any any points. So just frustrating loss. Uh, and onwards they go. Any other final thoughts about this yep. game? No. Uh, one one thought. Is it me or does it seem like Aaron Donald has kind of gotten a one step slower? Maybe not that much, but just a little bit where it's not that Aaron Donald that we we've known in the past. Is it just me? Might be something to it. I mean, you know, he's he's still there and he's he's still a threat. I, I think it goes more so to the fact that since they are rebuilding, retooling, but they have such a young offense and defense and they have a lot of rookies on their team. So I'd say that, you know, you don't have Leonard Floyd, you don't have Von Miller, like he's obviously a big part of their defense, but he can't be the entire defense. Um, you know, right, they, yeah, he needs 
and he doesn't seem like he has a compliment to you know to what he does yeah he's he's disrupting the you know the interior line but what about the edge rushers they're not they're not getting home either Mind you, they had some interesting pieces, but uh, you know, if you compare that to Von Miller when they won the Super Bowl, yeah, no, it's there's it, a gap in talent, and you know, Aaron Donald's a great player, but you know, he needs a little bit more help up front to to really kind of like Justin Smith, Alden Smith, or just like that whole duel that a lot of teams do. Um, you know, it's important. Yeah, he's a big portion of the team, but he's not the whole team on defense. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, shout out to Akello Witherspoon, former Niner, NFC West. He bounced around from the Seahawks to the Steelers, but he's the starting cornerback for the Rams, and he had another really tough, tough, tough pick uh, against Jalen Hurts. It was pretty sweet. He's got back-to-back picks, and uh, I think for Pro Football Focus, like, I don't want to say he's balling, but Akello Witherspoon is having himself a resurgent year, I'll tell you that. So a big shout out to Akello But didn't he leave the game with an injury? He did. He did. So, he did. He did. I, I think he'll be fine, but overall, he's been playing pretty good football. He should be okay, by the way. Oh, and also, uh, talking about X 49ers, Emmanuel Mosley, what, what a tragic season for him. Back to back ACLs. Oh, my God. I totally forgot, but I didn't forget. So, for those that don't know, Emmanuel um, Mosley was a former undrafted. Free agent that's signed with the Niners and had a lot of success the last couple of seasons. But uh, yeah, IR with an ACL injury last year, and then he signs with the Lions and they give him a pretty good deal. And his first game back, he tears his ACL again. That's just. But the opposite leg. That's just so rough, bro. I um, I feel so bad for the kid. Detroit, where were they playing? Detroit, they were playing um, at Detroit. They were playing the Panthers. That's goes back to the whole turf argument, you know. It's like these, these injuries are just happening. Yeah, on turf, you know, they the NFL needs to change this, and I'm getting a little worried with. Sorry, I'm just jumping ahead, but you know, the Niners are playing in Minnesota, where Travis Kelsey just got hurt recently, and Justin Jefferson on the same field. Yeah, I know. It's um, just pray. I think the NFL player associate, the 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 president currently right now, he he did an open letter to you know the owners and whatnot, uh, and pretty much talking about like, hey, like hopefully in in the off season we can talk more about it. But like, this is bullshit. We need to really push for like natural grass versus, versus this turf shit. Like, it's not good for it for anyone. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. So lastly, then then you have the Cardinals Bengals game, and this was a game that was um, pretty spicy for the most part. The Bengals came up top thirty four to twenty. I I thought it was pretty you know, like it was seventeen similar to the Rams game. It was seventeen fourteen at halftime, but just especially when you had the Bengals playing finally like the Bengals, they came out thirty four to twenty. They had seventeen points to six for the Cardinals in the second half. And a lot of that has to do with the injury to James Conner. James Conner is a big part of their offense. Obviously, they're a running team, and you need a strong run game for them to, you know, go to toe-to-toe with a team like the Bengals. But when James Conner left with a knee injury, they had their kid, their rookie, Mercado, 
uh, had 10 carries, 45 yards and a touchdown, which is nice. But, you know, obviously the, this offense was compromised from it, uh, especially losing Connor. And now the word is they're putting James Connor on IR. So he's out four games at least. And so it looks like Amari to Mercado is going to be the starting running back moving forward. But shoot, it was just, um, you know, when you're going against a Bengals team that finally came alive, Joe Burrow, 36 for 46 for 320 yards and three touchdowns. Jamar Chase had his best game of the season, 15 catches, 192 yards. Holy shit. Three touchdowns. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, these Bengals did a number on the Cardinals in the second half. And it gets to the to a point where for the Cardinals, I think the biggest thing that I saw was just they can't go headed to head with an offense like that uh, on, on most days. And in the second quarter, what really killed them right before um, right before halftime, minute thirty, Joshua Dobbs at their own eleven throws a pick, pick six takes takes it to the house. Uh, yeah. At their own eleven for for an easy easy touchdown, you can't allow that to happen. And they went to halftime, and that was pretty much the game. I felt like, yeah, that was definitely a more of a statement game that the Bengals needed in order to, you know, I guess put themselves at the status that, or you know, meet the expectations that they were supposed to meet. And I think that game meant more had to mean more to Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, especially all the turbulence that I've been, they've been having so far. And um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they basically showed out, but yeah, Arizona, it's just it's a crazy team because they just, you know, they, they have their ups and downs and they have their, their, their flashes of, obviously they're a rebuilding team. Can't really have um, high expectations, but you know, the Joshua Dobbs, uh, Connor, when he was looking good, um, their defense is kind of up and down, but they just keep fighting. But last game, they just kind of met their match, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I mean, just it's going to happen. I mean, you know, especially for this team where they're rebuilding. I mean, this is this comes with the territory. And I actually, year coach. yeah, I thought the Cardinals had a good chance going into this game, but. You know, uh, when it got a little bit out of hand in the second half, like they just can't go toe to toe with with an offense like that. And I've said that like three, four times already um, talking about it. But that's the main takeaway I, I came from this. And so, sure, it sucks. But at the same time, I'm not too pers- too taken aback a- from it. I mean, this is a-, a team like the Bengals where they needed it more, like you said before. So onwards you go for the for the Cardinals. It's all good. Yeah, definitely. And. What are your thoughts on, you know, there's this news going around that questioning if Kyler Murray is going to come back and keep Joshua Dobbs and moving forward. I think Joshua Dobbs has been doing great. You know, I think he, he has some tangibles that Kyler doesn't have. And it, it's showing kind of week to week, but obviously he has his mistakes, but I think those mistakes could clean up through breath. Personally, for me, like from a big picture GM perspective, I I don't think it's it can't be true because you know if I'm if I'm the GM if I'm John Gannon, one of my biggest goals outside of you know 
establishing a culture, getting people to buy into the culture. But with the previous regime, with the previous set of players, like, you know, for some players like Isaiah Simmons didn't work, they traded him to like the Giants. So, so be it. But like Kyler Murray is, is a very special circumstance because I mean, they just signed him a big extension. He was their presumed franchise quarterback. He's a former number one pick when healthy. He is amazing. So if I, you know, if I'm the Cardinals, I would like to, you know, I'll be at like health, but like when he's ready to play, I need to see him play. I need to evaluate how Kyler Murray will respond in my offense. It's not Cliff Kingsbury's offense anymore. This is my offense. And does he, how does he interact with his new teammates? How does he interact with the new staff? How does he compete on Sundays? Like we'll never know until you play him week over week. And at the very least, too, it's it's a win-win for both the Cardinals where you'll know whether you want to keep him or not. But if you decide that you don't want to play him, well, if he plays well, you showcase him out for the next team. And going back to, like, draft compensation, if you were to trade him or or make a deal, uh, it's better to do it when you're in a position of, of power or, or something where it, there's film to justify a higher draft pick. But if he, have, if he hasn't played in, like, a year, then... It's really tough for any team to take on his contract and let alone give give some real draft capital to the Cardinals. Yeah. Um, what is his status anyways? Is he slated to return soon or a few more weeks? What's going on with that? From what I understand, like he can come off the PUP, but he hasn't quite yet. Uh, so he's not quite there yet, but I think it's pretty close now. Um I think at some point they have to activate him at, uh, you know, like there, there's an expert. I, I forget this part, but like he has to get activated at some point in time. And I think he will. It's in their best interest. Um, I don't know, man. Right. You think that he would get inserted right away into the, he would have to, right. I would imagine, or I, I mean, don't know. Cause it seems like Dobbs has, you know, he's developing this, this chemistry with his receivers now, especially Hollywood Brown, right? He had that one touchdown. I mean, I think we can all agree, you know, Dobbs is, is good, but I don't know if if he's a long-term starter anyways or whatever. Like, I it would, if, if I'm the Cardinals, I want to definitely try to get Kylie Murray to play. At the very least, I, I need to see him back at practice, making the reps and, and getting ready for Sundays and, take it from there, whether you're, you're comfortable with giving him the, the starting job, but that's just me. Yeah. 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 I mean, you have to, right. He's your quote unquote, your franchise player. You got to, whenever he's ready, you, you put him in. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know where these rumors are coming from at the same time. If there's smoke, there's fire. Maybe there's something that I, I don't really know, but at the very least, I'd, I'd rather, I'd like to find out before making any sort of judgment. And that's just, I don't know, I won't say it's common sense, but I think it's a fair shake for the new regime. They can find out and if it works, cool. If not, then, uh, you know, you're not my guy. Like you're from the previous regime. So I'm going to get my guy in the draft. Yeah, definitely. That was my process. Exactly. So, yeah. So no rough sledding for, for the Cardinals ahead, especially when James Conner's out, that's a significant part of their offense. 
Any other final thoughts about this for uh, wrapping up the NFC Week 5? Uh, no, actually, I'm happy that there's bye weeks now. So, you know, the my Sunday ticket is just not freaking flooded of games every single weekend, <laughs> especially the morning games. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's impossible to watch all of the games, unless you have Red Zone, of course, but I don't have that. But it's impossible to watch, you know, 10 games in the morning. And let alone now there's these international games, you know, Germany or London can't even keep track now. It's just all like, I'm literally just watching football from 6.30 a.m. to 9 p.m. at night. But you know what? I'm not complaining. That's completely fine with me. But I guess from a Pam viewership perspective, it's all like, some more, some more teams on buys would be a little beneficial so it's easier on the screen. Yeah. Yeah, I feel it. Well, speaking of buys, the Seahawks we didn't mention because they're on their bye week where they were for week five. So you have the Niners at 5-0, and oh, their first place. Second place, you have the Seahawks at 3-1. and one. I think they were like top five in the, in the, in the power rankings anyways for, for, uh, for most, most outlets. And then you have the Rams falling to 2-3. and three third place and you have the Cardinals falling to one and four in fourth place. So onwards we go. Um, we're going to head to week six in the NFL and the NFC West. So we're officially done with the first month of the season. And now you're going to see bye weeks and now you're going to see teams adjust because, you know, through the first quarter of the season, Niners are arguably the best team in the NFL. You can make a case for the Eagles, but with a convincing win against the Cowboys, that's what most people are thinking. So going to week six, uh, you know, the Niners might have a trap game. They might lose this game. I kid you not. Um, the Niners are going to go on the road, East Coast, to a well-rested Cleveland Browns team coming off a bye. Niners at Browns. What do you think the, the line is for this game? Oh. Um, it's the line, just for fun. And I'll I'll tell you after. I would say Niners minus... Three and a half. Five and a half. Five, five and a half right now. And I, I think that's kind five of... Five and a half. It, it's kind of fair, kind of trappy. Uh, I think a lot of people might right take... Right in that Vegas zone. Yeah. Even myself, if I were to put them... I might take the Browns because of the points. I'd take those points. But the thing about... It all- the quarterback... Well, Deshaun Watson, he might not play. It might be P.J. Walker or... Uh, that one kid from UCLA under center. If that's the case, I can understand the five, five and a half. Yeah, if it ends up being confirmed that Watson is out and it's either P.J. Walker or DTR, then, yeah, that line is going to shoot up for sure. It could, it could even reach minus seven by by kickoff, depending on the, the quarterback situation. And also the weather. I think that's something that should be monitored. I think it's rain. It's is forecasted. I don't know the severity of it, but that's going to play a factor in this, um, in the spread too. That's true too. Yeah. Weather. I mean, shout out to Chicago, like last year, week one, when it was the monsoon, if it's a East coast morning game raining, it might get pretty ugly. And I'm really intrigued about this too, because people aren't too high in the Browns, especially since they lost, Pretty bad last week when they had DTR. I mean, albeit he's a rookie, that was his first start. But this Browns front seven, 
is stellar. <laughs> they're still a top five defense and they can run the football. It's going to be a battle of the trenches. Like their offensive line is good. The defensive line is good. And by the way, you struggled with TJ Watt. You're coming off of Michael Parsons. Well, guess what? You have Miles freaking Garrett coming right at you. Talking about you, Colin McKibbitt. So you beat Michael Parsons, great. But this Browns defense is well-rested and ready to play. And everyone loves to take down the top dog, which is the Niners right now. And so they got a big target on their back. So it would not surprise me if um, that trap game comes to full effect. Let's just say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Outside of that, another 10 a.m. game. You have the Seahawks at the Bengals. And so, you know, the Cardinals, they can go head-to-head offensively against the Bengals. But I'm intrigued with this game. Seahawks at Bengals. The Seahawks are coming off a bye. They're well-rested. And they can go toe-to-toe. I'm pretty confident that Geno Smith and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf can certainly put up points against the Bengals. Um, So it's at Cincinnati. What do you think the spread is for this game? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Bengals. Bengals minus two. Pretty good, man. Two and a half, three. It's essentially. Oh, all right. There we go. It's a close game. Two and a half, three. That means if both teams are even, you get the home team three points. So to see that two and a half, three shows that it, it's pretty much a toss up, and I, I think this should be really fun. I think offensively, both teams can can air it out. Um, both teams have a decent run game. Joe Mixon with the Bengals and then Kenneth Walker the third with, with the Seahawks. Like, this should be pretty fun. I'm actually really looking forward to that, that matchup. Yeah, it's going to be pretty good, especially Cincinnati coming off a big win, coming back home, momentum. Yeah. It's going to be a good game. I'll be intrigued. Uh, Jamal Adams, you know, Great to see him back. He only played eight snaps last week against the Giants. He, he left the game with a concussion. Hopefully he plays this uh, this game and he can have a full game and have himself a day. Let's just say that. So hopefully um, Joe Adams, the Prez, is back. I need Kenneth Walker to blow up, though. That's That would be just A-OK in my book. <laughs> He's on your fantasy team? Yeah, that's right. No, he's been good. He's like a, He's been like a solid RB1 borderline um Actually, oh, running, yeah. a solid running back to borderline running back one. He's been great for yeah. that. Yeah. 100%. Last game, 125 Pacific Standard Time. This is the NFC West game of the week. The Cardinals at one and four versus the Rams at two and three at LA. Not saying they need this, but like the Rams need, need this game. They dropped. They dropped uh, last week against a, a tough Eagles team, but if they can get back on track against the Cardinals, they would go to three and three. So you had the Cardinals at LA. Mind you, the Cardinals do not have James Conner. What do you think the spread is for this game? I'm going to go this one Rams minus six. I you're, feel like that might be too high, though. No, you're you're good. You touche tee up. You have been on point with your uh, guess the lines. Wait, really? Six? Yeah. It's uh, Rams minus seven. Pretty much. You're, oh, minus seven. Okay. You're, Full touchdown. I mean, give and take, all your all your picks have been like half to a point off, which is not that bad. 
you're like on the money with it. Yeah, and for the record, I did not do any research. I did not look into any lines. These were complete guesses. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I believe you. Honestly, like just having fun with it. Uh, this is a Rams team that definitely better. Uh, definitely a better offense. This passing offense with Stafford. Uh, they can certainly run the ball, but they're a better passing offense under Sean McVay. This Cardinals run defense is really good, but going back to their <laughs> offense, like if they get down two scores, it's going to be really tough for them to go head head to head with the Rams. And I think at LA for the Rams, it's, it's going to happen. Like I can understand the minus six or the minus seven, however it, it ends up come kickoff time. But uh, this is a game that the Rams should win. And this is a game that at home, they're very much incentivized to go 500, beating the rebuilding Cardinals. And for the Cardinals sake, I think that they certainly can compete, but it's going to be tough for them, especially with no James Conner. Yeah, that's Rams should definitely roll. should roll on this one. Yeah, so. All right, man. But yeah, that's uh, week five as we go into week six. Tee up, I mean, dude, when, what a hell of a month for the NFC West and for the Niners and the Seahawks to be right there in the NFC. I think both teams are top five in the power rankings. Definitely the Niners. And I think that I see the Seahawks like rank number four to like number six. They're a top 10, 10 team at three and one. I mean, you know, any final thoughts as we uh, conclude this podcast? No. Um, yeah. Great, great first month of football. I can't wait for the rest of the, the season to unfold and, you know, see, see how the rest of the NFL shakes out. So, I'm stoked, man. I'm so, I'm so stoked. Sure, man. Well, hey, Tia, I appreciate your time as always. I'm glad that we could do this pod because heads up in terms of like what I do for my life. I have a real estate conference in Chi-Town. In Chi-Town, I'm going to be in Chicago. So I got a 5.30 a.m. flight, direct flight to Chicago uh, tonight. So getting this pod done and I'm oh, going to be... Yeah, I know. I, I don't know if you, if you can hear it in my voice, but I'm a little bit tired. But I want to do this pod now, <laughs> get it off the way so we can head into week six. You know, got got my two cents out the way, got the pod done. But I appreciate your time because this is the only time I can do it. I'm going to be inundated with real estate conference stuff the rest of the week. Come back Sunday and then I'll be able to have a full day of NFL football. So I'm glad I got this out the way. And to our loyal listeners, whether you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google or Amazon Music, much appreciated. Also check out Twitter at Just the West, Instagram at Just the West, and of course the blog www.justthewest.com. See you up until next time. We out here. Peace. Peace.